Arena Podcast. John Burke here. Welcome back to episode four of In the Arena. My current guest is Jennifer Bullcock, who's a uh, who's an author for. Go ahead and say it, Jennifer. I'm uh, Jennifer Bullcock, healthy lifestyle motivator and mum of three, and I write articles for Protein Lifestyle and PT Magazine. Awesome. So our previous episode, uh, we had to cut it in half because I'll be honest with you, I want to keep every episode within 30 minutes because after a while you start to lose interest. So basically last episode we talked about childhood obesity, reasons for it, you know, lack of uh, nutrients and things like that for, in food. Um, so we're going to continue on now. So where did we leave off with the previous one, Jennifer? Ah, good question. I was hoping you remembered. <laughs> oh, God. We're, we're, we're screwed now. <laughs> no. um, we, we talked talk- about, you know, go ahead. Go ahead. I think we were talking about snack foods and you'd said about the high calorie type yes. foods that are generally accepted as One uh, thing snack foods. that I do see a lot of that I you know, I'm guilty of as well. I'm not gonna sit here and say like I'm all, all innocent or anything, but one thing we do give them is fruit snacks, gummy snacks. Um, and you know, they say they're fortified with a lot of calcium or uh, vitamin C, this vitamin, that vitamin. And, you know, yeah. I, <laughs> if you, uh, yeah, I know if you turn around and you actually read the ingredients on it and what the biggest thing I look at is I kind of do what's called the, uh, the digestion test. And mm-hmm. if I, and this is going to sound totally crazy, but I'll take a product and I'll put it in a bowl and I'll throw it in the microwave, like those gummy snacks and I'll microwave it and I'll see it in its most melted purest form. And it's like, this is essentially what's going on in your stomach to a degree. And you look at it and it's like, wow, you know, that's not even taking into account the enzymes that are breaking it down and processing it. But it's almost like it's a bowl of just plain sugar. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. I mean, these, they, um, we, we have them in the UK as well where it's basically, uh, you call them candy, we call them sweets. But they're basically just sweets mm-hmm. that say made with real fruit or made with natural fruit juices. And it's, again, it's just a marketing trick because it's a trade-off. As a parent, you yeah. want to give something to your kid that they're going to enjoy. You see that slogan that it counts as a portion of veg or a portion of fruit in their diet, and mm-hmm. you think, oh, well, they're going to think they're having sweeties, but they're actually getting um, a portion of fruit. And it's just nonsense. A portion of fruit is a portion of fruit in its whole natural form. And it's it's where we're falling for the tricks of the, the marketing companies again. Yeah. So that's, that's really where I feel so strongly about because – Every, we're all a victim. If you don't read into it and actually understand what's going on, we're all victims of the the kind of control that they have over us with our nutritional understanding. You know, one thing that that um, kind of shocked me because when Ashley, my girlfriend, got into the uh, competitive world of uh, women's bikini bodybuilding, um, you know, the program she went through. That's when we both started learning about the actual uh, nutritional value of food, and she brought up a very good point as far as like juice. And, you know, we all want to uh, ensure that we're, we're eating clean, but as well as drinking clean things. And I hear a lot of these things on, you know, the juice diets, the juice cleanses, uh. this, that, and the other. But for my children, you know, it was always, you know, I want to buy them apple juice. I want to buy them orange juice, fruit juice, because it's packed with vitamins. Well, when you sit there and you actually flip that sucker over and you look at the juice content rating, like most of them from what I've seen is like 33% actual healthy juice. The rest is additives. So you're uh-huh. basically slamming just, you know, more sugar. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you're not getting any fibre in there because yeah. it's just the, the juice, which is the fructose sugar, mm-hmm. separated from the, the whole fruit. So if your kids say they want apple juice, give them an apple. Yeah. It, you know, you're absolutely right because if you look at the actual sugar amount in there, it's ridiculous. And I forget, uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, and I should know this, like the daily required or the daily recommended sugar intake for a, you know, a standard human being is not that much. It's no, really no, not. It, well, it's 5% of energy intake, so 5% of your calorie intake should, uh, should be maximum should come from sugar. So for a yeah. child, that's, that's a really small amount. It um, is. You, you're looking at, you know, into, um, for a very small child, potentially even into single-figure amounts, mm-hmm. for, depending on what their calorie intake is is for the day so yeah when you look at then a carton of juice that's got potentially what 15 grams of sugar in that's like the whole day's recommended amount of sugar for for a young child i mean it it depends on the juice too because a lot of it's more than just 15 uh, 15 grams like you look at like a bottle of red bull or a can of red bull you're talking almost like 35 grams in one small little can and so you know you can think of an adult an average adult's yeah uh, and I think what a lot of people don't understand is, you know, that sugar that isn't being used and burned off as energy is, you know, essentially, you know, turning into fat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it does all still, again, come down to calories in versus calories out. Mm-hmm. But this is when the malnourishment comes in. If you're, if you're still getting, if, say, for example, you need to consume 2,000 calories a day to be healthy mm-hmm. and you're consuming 2,000 calories a day, you're going to maintain your weight, mm-hmm. basically. But if you're getting all them calories from processed foods, um, nutritionally poor foods, sugary foods, and you're not getting enough protein, you're not getting enough fat in your diet, Mm -hmm. and uh, you're not getting enough micronutrients like your vitamins and your minerals and things like that, then you are going to start having health problems Mm -hmm. related to your diet. Your weight may not necessarily change, but the changes in your... um, body composition so you may potentially lose muscle mass and gain Mm. fat but your weight may then on the scales remain the same so it's calories in versus calories out will determine your your overall weight but it's the structure and what what is contained within that diet that's important for health we should always be considering health in, in everything that we do so even though you know we can say well you know i'm all that sugar's going to turn to fat if you're still in a calorie deficit you're still going to lose weight even mm-hmm. if all your diet comes from sugar if that makes sense it does but you you're know, not going to be healthy <laughs> so it's kind of like one of those quality over quantity yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely it's 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 extremely hard to i don't want to say hard because i get i get offered the excuse of you know john in regards to heat, eating clean um it's very expensive now i'm not going to sit here and play devil's advocate to an excuse because a lot of people are using that as an excuse but yes, there are some things that are a little bit more expensive uh, than regular junk food. You know, for some people say, you know, you go to a fast food restaurant and it costs $5 for a burger and fries, $7 for a salad. Well, my, my mm. you know, reasoning with that is why are you going to a fast food restaurant? Yeah, why don't you absolutely. go to a wholesale goods store or a wholesale uh, produce market and actually buy the stuff to make a salad? You know, Absolutely. But people don't see but it like that you way. said before, it takes it takes effort, it takes mm-hmm. time, and a lot of people don't have that, and that's that's kind of the trade off that people are having to make. And again, that comes down to the situation that we're in, based on the way our society's evolved. And you know, that's that's something that all of us we need to look at within ourselves and say, where does the guilt lie? Where is the fault for the situation that we're in now? That obesity and poor health is at an epidemic level worldwide. You know, we can trace it back probably 
two, three decades where the problem started. And it's all, again, rooted in the, the um, marketing of the, of the junk food. But uh, it, goes, it goes so in-depth with that, though, because I had to do a paper in, in college. And on this paper, it talked about uh, crop harvesting. Uh, for, as opposed to, you know, uh, today's harvest, uh, harvesting of crops as opposed to, you know, uh, the early 40s, the 30s, the 20s. And it talked about pesticides being used on crops and how a lot of the pesticides now are, are sapping the nutrients out of the crops themselves. But the reason they're being used is it's keeping a lot of the bugs away and it's keeping more, more um, crops um, alive to be harvested. Therefore, farmers can make more money by offering more produce and more goods. And, you know, there are certain pesticides that are legal versus certain pesticides that are illegal. But mm-hmm. a lot of it saps the nutrients out of this food. So, you know, say like, you know, you um, even even the way, you know, meat is raised these days with mm. all the additives with how what we're feeding chicken and cows and all that. And so, you know, that's where a lot of people say, well, you know, is supplementation needed? And, you know, I see different viewpoints on it to where it's like, you know, if I'm eating four ounces of chicken breast that has so much protein in it, you know, four ounces of chicken breast or six ounces, whatever, you know, as opposed to back in the early 40s was a lot more nutritious because, you know, what they were being raised on was more yeah. natural. Absolutely. you absolutely spot on. And that's why, I mean, at the end of the day, there's how many billion people on this planet and they all need food. So, you know, that's that's going beyond the, you know, the the food marketing issue as it's you know a global issue that people need to eat yeah. and if it means that the quality of that food has to decrease slightly in order to meet the needs of our growing population of our planet then unfortunately i think that's a trade-off we have to make otherwise right. we're not going to be able to produce enough food for everyone so that's where supplementation i think you know potentially does come in because you can um if you're not getting enough nutrients because the foods that you're eating um don't contain enough nutrients then you can quite easily supplement those in um you know into your diet so i i don't have a problem with that at all but i think if someone was truly eating um a balanced diet even if that came from non-organic foods and potentially genetically modified foods which i'll have to put it out there i don't have a massive problem with um, <laughs> I, I i really don't I just think gonna so sit over here and not even address you know, we're that get food from somewhere. so um I, th- I just think you know it's it's a trade-off we've got to make because our, all our people have to eat and if we can um top it up really by taking supplements then then why not because even though it's not ideal it's still okay, if that makes sense. Well, I think if the government put more, uh, and I hate, I hate trying to point the finger back at the government because a lot of people will sit there and do that and say, you know, it's the government's fault for this, that, and the other, which they are right. They're justified. But, you know, to me, it's kind of like you said, um, you know, we can point the finger back at them all we want. But in the end, we're going to be the ones lying in the hospital bed um, facing the health issues we have simply because we made choices. You can, you know, you can blame other people for not do, having a more proactive role in the food industry and, you know, Definitely uh, regulating how fast food industries are able to advertise and the, mm-hmm. the food products are pushing out there. But the, the the overall thing is, you put it in your mouth, you ate it. So it's yeah, kind of like you yeah. know, you know, you, you could tie that into you know, well, they make poison arsenic as well. It doesn't mean you have to go eat it. But with yeah. that also being said, I think if the government was a little bit more proactive and trying to push more, um, you know, farming of natural food as opposed to you know uh, the commercial commercialization of processed food. I think it'd be a lot better for us, but the problem is, like you've already said several times, it's about money. Mm, absolutely, but then I mean, it gets back to, I mean, obviously the obesity in kids. I can't, you can't say that that is 
their fault. They are not responsible for the choices that are sort of given to them. And then if they then are raised within that environment as kids, they become adults that are of that same mentality. And that's, that's what what sort of is the problem now that those children of the the 80s that were raised within the height of the 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 diet industry and processed diet foods Mm -hmm. are now parents themselves with no understanding of what real food is so from a blame point of view i really do see that they're more victim i mean there are people who are genuinely lazy and they know they shouldn't be drinking you know, full sugar coke, and they know mm-hmm. they shouldn't be eating cheeseburgers, and they choose to do that. And there are people like that, but I think there are also people who genuinely think they are making better choices, but they are caught up within the whole um, trap of this marketing and the way that their lifestyle was as kids. That it's really not their own doing, and these are the people that that need help. And need guidance, but the, at the moment, there's no one other than people that are willing to, you know, be sort of activists like like me and you. Mm-hmm. There's no sort of um, initi- government initiated plan mm-hmm. to help these people, and it and it does take effort, and it is bloody hard if you are overweight and you're stuck in a poor cycle with food and nutrition and your understanding. Mm-hmm. It is. It is a mountain to climb, and it is absolutely massively hard. And you will need help, oh, yeah. especially if you've if you've got you know the mindset that comes with it, because you because potentially you're malnourished. That then has effect on your moods, your um, behavioural, your stress levels. So, for someone who is who is healthy and is viewing it out of that bubble, it's easy to say you know just eat less and move more Mm -hmm. but that really isn't the answer it's a case of reaching out to these people and and they need help but they need to want to accept that help as well exactly and so it's such it's such a difficult it's such a difficult situation and i don't know honestly what what the best answer is but hopefully you know with the message that's getting out on your podcasts that's going to help reach more people and and help more people Mm -hmm. it's um you know, I've thought about that a lot. You know, where does the fault lie? You know, is it, um, I mean, like you, you said before, we could go into a whole different topic on that. But, you know, <laughs> it's just, you know, the methodology behind how we want to reach out to people. I mean, you're very nice with your ways. Me, I'm an asshole. And, you know, different different strokes for different folks. I won't sit here and lie and say I'm for everybody or even that you're for everybody. Different people respond yeah. differently to, you know, different avenues of approach when it comes to psychology behind weight loss. But, you know, the thing is, though, in the end, like you just said, it comes down to how bad does that person want it. Schwarzenegger had a wonderful slogan, a wonderful thing, saying that, you know, if you don't have time, make time. How bad do you want it? And, you know, we, we talked about that in the other episode as far as, you know, you can't expect people to want to learn about something that they don't find interesting, which, uh-huh. you know, it's absolutely right. But it is pertain- it's very pertinent to their health. It's pertinent to, and I hate to say this, but as America or as Americans, we are lazy. We are an extremely lazy society. And, you know, if that offends people, I don't fucking care. But yeah. the thing is... It's hey, you we- watch your language. There's a British lady here. Oh, my bad. I apologize for that. <laughs> it's the... You know, people just, they want the easy route out. They want the easy. Yeah. Give me the fat pill that'll, that'll burn. Like you said before, you know, eat, uh, you know drink the, uh, the, 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 the potion, I guess you could say. The magic yeah. potion. Um, but 
you know, it, just, it boils down to we don't look at long-term effects of what we are eating because we don't see it now. It's kind of like, you know, do I'm going to put a penny in the bank or am I going to spend it now and get instant uh -huh. gratification from that? So I think if people were actually able to see a lot of these studies that are being done and see these long-term effects down the line uh -huh. of, you know, living on a diet of just garbage and, you know, people yeah. can say, well, you know, I, you know, I live, you know, I, I've been overweight my entire life and I'm absolutely happy. Well, you know, what was your quality of life? you know, during that time where you, and there, there's so many different influential factors out there. You know, for me, it was when I was overweight, I hated going clothes shopping because it was extremely difficult to find pants that fit. So I had to go to these specialty shops and that right there was just, you know, a mental throat punch because it, it definitely hits your, you know, your, your ego, I guess a bit. But the other side of that is once you start losing weight, once you start exercising, once you start feeling, you know, so much healthier with a better quality of life, you're going to look back and say, how was I ever not thinking like this or not living like this? It, 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 it astounds me. And for me, it's kind of like trying to remember what it was like being overweight and yeah. being able to identify that, with those that people. That really does illustrate that it's a lifestyle change. And yeah. because people can't comprehend what is needed for a lifestyle change because it's so alien to them, because it's been their life. They've been um, you know, born into this life and raised in this life, they cannot possibly comprehend what is needed. And when they try and fail and try and fail, they end up giving up. And it's because there's no support available to these to these people mm -hmm. that really do need it. And you know, it's it's essentially. It's, the, the fault of where we've got to with, with society and that's why now we need to stop it so the next generation mm -hmm. don't fall into this trap again and then when they become parents mm -hmm. the cycle continues that's because a it really is it's so rooted in childhood I mean even when um, before you before the baby's born there's so many uh, influences that the, the mother has on their baby but uh, you know the effects on their long-term health and whether they're going to go on to potentially become obese based on what the mother does when they're pregnant. And that's not that yeah. baby's fault. Right. But that will predetermine, that will have an effect on whether they're going to become obese or not. But, you know, you say that, and people will argue that it's a person's freedom of choice, which you're right, it is. But, you know, for, say, like a pregnant mother or a nursing mother, okay, are you going to go out there and do, you know, lines of coke? Are you going to smoke weed? Are you going to mm -hmm. do drugs while nursing? Because that's illegal. You know, that, that could be considered childhood abuse or child abuse, excuse me. So what's the difference in, you know, and I know this is going from zero to crazy in a matter of seconds, but yeah. couldn't it be considered almost the same thing if you are eating poison? Yeah, well, I, I would say it's neglectful. If you're starting your journey to be a parent and you're already being neglectful of your child's needs, mm -hmm. you're a neglectful parent. Yeah. It That's just, it. you know, it definitely, definitely requires a lot of... Uh, personal accountability and responsibility on your part. And, you know, I think, like I said, you know, in American culture, it's just sad because parenting has become something that it's, uh, how do you say this? It's become as if you don't have to have responsibility for your children. You can like buy them. Like a commodity. Just, like it's just, it's just, it is what it is. It's a commodity. Yes, you don't have exactly. The responsibility. Well yeah. Yeah. And people are, are, are shine away from the responsibility that comes with being a parent yes and that that's the problem and i know it is a lot on us women as a mum. you know mm -hmm. you've got this baby growing inside you yep. and suddenly you can't have any of your mcdonald's every day that you had to survive <laughs> or coffee <laughs> or for, for, i mean for crying out loud when my ex-wife was pregnant with our two kids she could she didn't drink any coffee and i felt bad for her for that you know it's just some people go different routes with it. You know, some people are extremely protective, which I totally get that. And some people are more, you know, loose with what they want to eat. But 
She stayed away I from coffee. I suppose it's finding a happy balance. I mean, like I said, if one fast food meal isn't going to cause right, any yeah. long-term damage, provided you eat healthily most of the time. Mm-hmm. So, like, for example, you know, that on that analogy, when I was pregnant, I did have the occasional small glass of wine. I know it's frowned upon, but well, my kids no, are I mean, absolutely fine. It, well, if, yeah, I if you think about it, you know, it even... Friday night or something. It's actually even good for you because it aids with digestion. It's just that people <laughs> will go to extremes with it and say, you know, well, I need to down the six-pack because it's good for me. Or because, you know, yeah. John or Jennifer Bullcock said that it's perfectly fine because, you know, Jennifer had one glass and she said everything in moderation. Well, my moderation is one glass of wine per hour. So, yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> it's got to be genuine moderation and genuine balance, not what you perceive it to be. Right. And, you know, if, you know, if, you, if when you're pregnant and you're suffering with horrendous morning sickness and you just need to have that McDonald's burger because otherwise you're going to mm-hmm. be sick, then fine, have it. But make sure that you're getting as much as you can within the parameters that's available to you, mm-hmm. the best nutrients that you can to feed your growing baby. Right. And also be aware of the lifestyle choices that you're making. If you're sedentary, if you're already overweight yourself, you know, these all have an effect on uh, the epigenetics of, you, of your kid. So, which then, you know, that, that's for the rest of their life, basically. So we have a responsibility to our unborn child to set them up correctly for the rest of their life. And and it's kind of this flippancy about it that people don't understand the level that's involved. I mean, there's, there's so many studies being shown that, you know, even things like whether you breastfeed or you formula feed, that has an effect on their um, whether they're predetermined to, to become obese and whether they've been born by natural birth or C-section. Mm-hmm. All these have an effect. And obviously these are some things that you don't necessarily have some control over and you don't necessarily have a choice over. You know, if it's an emergency C-section, you can't, you can't say, no, hold on, I don't want my kid to be obese. Right. Pull it out. You know, you can't help that. Now, my but, ex and I, we, all, you, we definitely argued the whole, are we going to use an epidural <laughs> Or and then you know people always say, well, I want to do it naturally, which you know, I'm not knocking that. If that's some, if that's a route you want to go, you by all means have fun with that. But as soon as she oh, started getting those yeah. first few contractions, she was like, oh, to hell with this, give me the epidural. So <laughs> I could definitely understand someone's personal choices there. Oh no, I was natural the way I had them all at home. It's great. But oh, you had them all at home? Yeah, yeah. In fact, my daughter was. Wait, wait. So you didn't have any pain medication whatsoever? No. You're you're a much bigger man than I am. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was fine. Oh my god. It was just like a walk in the park. It's fine. (laughs) Oh my god. If you're if you're just joining us in the podcast, this is Jennifer Bullcock. She's uh, she's from uh, well, Jennifer. I'm sorry, Andrew. We're uh, I'm also recording this live for Facebook, so people can listen in right now as we do this. So go ahead and give them uh, give them a little bit taste of who you are again, please. Okay, I'm Jennifer Bullcock, healthy lifestyle motivator, mum of three. I write articles for Protein Lifestyle, which is a UK supplement company, and uh, PT Magazine. And what we're talking about today is childhood obesity and all the, all the parameters that encompass what it is our, our society today face. But going back to what you were saying, so why did you, and we're going off topic here, but I don't care. We're, yeah. you know, we're going to do whatever we want, um, you know, YOLO. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, why did you choose to do a more healthy route as opposed to using an epidural or, you know, pain medication? I just, I hate hospitals. I hate the idea of medicalizing something that's a natural process. And hospitals, to me, is sick care. So giving birth is not something that's sick. It's 
it's life actually so it's quite the opposite you know you go to hospital for something bad that's something ill so that's just my mental association and I knew that if I was in hospital I would be very very anxious and anxiety and, and stress right. can actually slow down the process of your labor so I was thinking anything that's going to make this as quick as possible if I'm going to be more relaxed at home it's going to be quicker and it was I had really really quick labors in fact my third yeah. uh, my daughter there was the midwife didn't even get here in time I think it was 30 minutes so my husband caught her as she popped out <laughs> wow that's pretty incredible I know um for me, I've been in and out of hospitals a lot, you know, dealing with the military, things like that. Yeah. So you come, I become accustomed to them. But, you know, for me, it's the smells because, you know, mm. a lot of disinfectant has to be extremely clean. So, yeah, I think it's kind of like one of those memory association things that when you get in there and, you know, say like, you know, you went in there for, for I think one bad time I had was gastroenteritis, which is like basically stomach flu. And I remember yeah. the smells of the hospital. So the next time I went back, my, my mind associated that with what I went through before. Now, that, that leads me to another point as far as, um, targeted advertisement, which annoys the crap out of me, because even to this day, I'll drive down the road and I'll see a sign for a cheeseburger joint, and my memory just brings back how good that damn che- the bacon cheeseburger yeah. burger tasted. And then you know, it's in my mind now that I really want a cheeseburger. So imagine, you know, the willpower that we have as adults, as mm-hmm. opposed to the willpower a child has. Yeah, you know, so. and also their lack of understanding and knowing why they need to be eat a healthy diet because they can't, you know, a five-year-old isn't going to understand why they need to eat the broccoli. Exactly. And you can't expect them to understand that either at that age. Right. But they do know that they know their taste buds and they know what satisfies them and they know what hits all the, you know, the the sensations in the brain that make them feel good because, you know, they've eaten this food and they've had that sensation. Yeah. And so... They're going to scream and crave and cry for those foods. And that's where parenting techniques come in, that we have to be, you know, not necessarily strict and saying no to everything, but, you know, be open to, you know, finding resolution. So, like, if my kids want a burger and chips, we'll say, right, okay, then let's let's make up our own and they'll get the hands in, mushing up the beef mince and we'll chop up the potatoes to make the chips and they're involved in the process and they feel empowered because they've been involved in the process right. rather than going to a drive through and getting a box of junk. You know, one of the issues that I had is my son, my daughter, she'll eat anything. Isabella will eat anything. She's wonderful in that, that aspect. Now, David, he is, he's like me. You know, they say as parents, you're going to get what you gave your parents. And that was, mm. that was double over true for my son. He is extremely picky when it comes to eating. Now, one issue that, you know, we talked about before, like the mom in the uh, grocery store with the children, they're acting out and they give her sugary treats to keep them quiet. When it comes to eating vegetables, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, we have these stigmas because even I hate broccoli. So, you know, we have the, in cartoons and things like that, you know, people perpetuate that, that uh, stereotype that all vegetables taste gross. Um, mm-hmm. At least growing up, I saw that. So it's a, it's very difficult for children to eat vegetables and understand why vegetables have to be eaten as, you know, with the... Uh, the nutritional value yeah. they offer. And so it's kind of like when parents have a child that will not eat vegetables, what do you do? I mean, do you make like a dog when you're giving it a pill, you hide it in a thing of cheese? Or, I mean. No, actually, I'm dead against hiding. I'm dead against hiding veg. I know a lot of parents do like to do it and they like to make up sauces and things and hide loads of veg in it, which if that works for them, that's fine. But I'm dead against that because I think it's deceitful to your kids i think you need to be honest to your kids and say look oh now wait a minute if you're gonna go down that road do your kids believe in santa claus uh (laughs) (laughs) let's just be honest here 
But no, yeah, I, I know what you're actually, saying. There's a fine we, line. Last year, we made Santa some protein truffles, actually. So Santa oh. got his gains last year. <laughs> Santa got his gains. Uh, Santa needs to do some cardio. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! So okay, so you said you're against hiding. I don't think we should try and hide veg unless unless they've been involved in the process. You know, if you're making some sort of sauce that does have veg in it, Mm -hmm. then um, you know, let them see it and let them be involved. Right. Um, Oh, my son's iPad's making some noise. Hang on. I got you. Don't worry about it. yeah, so let be let them be involved in the process of of the food, um, so they can see what's going into it, and then they're not being tricked or deceived or lied to. They, no. I think, having them emotionally involved in the food preparation, they then are more inclined to want to eat it because they feel proud of what they've done and you know even if they don't like it they will keep trying and just keep putting it on the table. Be an advocate yourself, eat it yourself, so they can see that you're demonstrating that you can eat it and eventually they'll get there they right. might not straight away want to eat a whole load of broccoli but they'll eventually get there yeah it's yeah it's i think that's one of those parenting questions of the the, the century or decade it's just how do you get your children to eat healthy and you know, i like how you said you know you get them involved in the process of cooking cooking has almost become a lost art mm, because you know until i started doing bodybuilding and exercising a lot I didn't really know how to cook, but, you know, it's kind of like the more the more recipes you learn, especially healthy recipes, you know, the more variety you have to eat with. Like for me, though, I, I'm extremely guilty of eating the same thing over and over again, mainly because, you know, in the Army we do that and we become yeah. accustomed to that. But now when it comes to bodybuilding, it's essentially almost kind of the same thing. You eat the same thing over and over again with, you know, some, uh, you know, you can veer left or right with certain things in your diet, but – it's kind of like if you want to have, if you want to be able to taste more and have a, a more, much more broad um, diet that's still healthy, you're going to have to learn to cook. And yeah. today, in today's society, you talked about buying that frozen pizza that's labeled as healthy, which is a crock. You know, mm-hmm. it actually comes down to you buying fresh ingredients. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, you know, like, like the sauces and the soups and things like that. Which God, I'm getting hungry for that now. <laughs> it's been a while since <laughs> I've had soup, but uh, you, you're very right. And to me, it's kind of like. One thing I, I am firmly against is the um, the I don't know if I should call it a stereotype, but I guess it kind of is as far as women being the cooks. Men can mm. cook just as well. It's just a matter uh, of you well, know. Well, my it, husband's a much better cook than me, so there's okay. no stereotypes in our house at all. That's, that's good though, but you know, it's kind of like say like for the average college student, most of them live off of ramen noodles that are sixty cents a pop. You yeah, know, and yeah. so a lot of them and don't I have to, to say that's probably because I, I didn't actually go to university, but my husband did. And I think the whole process of him moving away from home and having to, you know, sort of prepare his own food, he yep. learned how to cook because he, he's quite, he enjoys it as well. It is a Good. bit of a passion of his. Whereas I, I, I don't particularly enjoy cooking. I'll do it because I know it's important and then, and I'll involve the kids in it. Yep. But I can't say that if I had a day off and, you know, what would I choose to do for fun and go and bake and cook in the kitchen? I'd be like, hell no, no, I don't want to do that for fun. Do it for necessity. Yeah. And I do what's needed and I, I do it correctly and cook fresh, everything fresh and wholesome. I still have to do meal prep today and I'm not it. looking forward to it. Uh, it's just such a pain in the butt. Chopping up the potatoes or the sweet potatoes, grilling the, the meat, the turkey, the chicken. And it's just like, oh my God. But it does boil down to the sense of don't cook, you're not going to eat. Or yeah, yeah. I know, and you know, I, I wanted to get on the subject of um, meal preparation. You know, mm. for for fitness, it's one thing; it, it's very crucial that you do it for fitness because you know you can regulate your macronutrients if you're trying to gain or lose weight, uh, whatever your end end state is that you're wanting. 
But I think for like moms at home, do you um, do you do meal preparation? Are you able to um, you know cook you know dinner? You cook dinner that at night, or do you do a meal preparation? It, it depends. It depends what we're having. Um, you know, sometimes I, I'll cook um, like a pasta sauce. I'll make that in a big batch and then freeze it in batches, and then that makes an easy meal that I can just warm that through. Um, or, um, but a lot of the time we we eat very simply in the sense of that it will be either a piece of meat or a piece of fish with veg and some sort of carbohydrate sauce. So it's it's actually quite simple to make, and then you. you the enjoyment comes from uh, the flavors that you add to it with your herbs and your right. spices and if you make a little bit of a sauce to go with it mm-hmm. so it is quite simple you know i can i can whack some chicken in the oven and that'll take 20 30 minutes to cook yeah. boil up some potatoes and some broccoli or some green beans or something with it and then make some nice you know maybe a cheesy sauce to go on the greens so that it's a bit more so palatable <laughs> Oh, I want some cheesy sauce. It sounds cheesy amazing. Sauce. There's <laughs> yeah. nothing wrong with cheesy sauce. <laughs> I like I the mean, way you, you say eat it. too much of it. <laughs> I would. I, I can't. I can't control myself. I think one of my weaknesses is 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 damn Mexican food. I I don't know uh, uh, how much of it y'all have over there or how, how authentic it is over there. But being born and raised in Texas, we were raised on what they call Tex-Mex, which is a mix of Texican or Texican. Well, I guess you could say Texican style of Mexican food. And this stuff, you know, I'm not sure how Mexican restaurants are over there in the UK, but as far as here, it's when you first sit down, you have chips and salsa or you have chips and cheese dip. And, you know, that's kind of like your appetizer before the main course. I will sit there and gorge myself off of chips and salsa. I love it. And then the main course comes out of like enchiladas, fajitas. I'll gorge myself on that. And when Ashley and I go out, we'll walk out of that restaurant just looking at at one another saying, why did we do that? (laughs) <laughs> Why did we allow ourselves to do that? We know what happens every time we is, go down this road. You, know, you go to a restaurant for a social uh, situation. You know, at that point, what you're doing there isn't for nutrition. You're doing that as enjoyment for you know for ticking certain psychological boxes and and yeah. to, to have a life. And that's where there's this crossover between nutrition and um, you know social issues and psychological issues. Yeah. And we shouldn't confuse the two. And but you, there also shouldn't be a problem with enjoying food yeah. for what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, we should be able to still enjoy food because there is a, a hell of a lot of enjoyment that comes from food. But the problem is that everything at the moment in, that's targeted and marketed towards us is all coming from the enjoyment angle and not looking at the nutritious angle. And we seem to have lost our direction with eating nutritious foods and people are now just eating purely for enjoyment. Yeah. And whilst that's nice uh, because it ticks our uh, psychological enjoyment boxes, mm-hmm. we're all getting iller and iller and sicker and fatter as a, as a result. And, you know, you can still eat with, you know, in regards to taste and do it healthy. You know, it's just, you know, when people, you know, ask me questions, they see as far as, you know, men's physique, bodybuilding or, or the fitness community like that. It's we eat more for, for fuel rather than taste. But it doesn't have to be that way, you know, and I'm not standing here preaching everyone needs to be ripped, they need to be huge. No, it's just everyone needs to eat and live a healthier life. And, you know, I think a lot of people are seeing that now, but it's like you don't have to eat the same thing I eat. You don't have to eat bland chicken. I eat bland chicken for a reason. I'm trying to, you know, tone down or whatever my goal for that six-month interval or the year period, whatever it is I'm training for, my diet will reflect that. Mm-hmm. But people will, will, you know, they'll, and I'm glad you say it the way you say it as far as it's a psychological enjoyment, and you should. Food is enjoyable. You can make mm-hmm. healthy food with healthy sauces that 
the cheese sauce. You just said – I'm not even going to forget yeah. it now. With the cheese sauce, and it can still be healthy. It's just you don't overdo it. You don't go too far with it. Absolutely. And that is where the true word balance comes in. People throw that word balanced and moderate yeah. around when they're referring to diet, but they don't really know what it means. And what it truly means is the right balance of nutrients, mm-hmm. you know, protein fibers, uh, carbs, fats that you need to be healthy, balanced with as little junk food as possible in order for you to lead a happy lifestyle. So junk food can be part of your lifestyle, but ideally keep it as small amount as possible, but still be able to have the enjoyment from it. You know, one thing I've seen that that kind of, uh, I think people fail to understand is, you know, um, and we're doing this live right now, and I see a couple comments being posted of, you know, I can eat fast food all I want, I just put in extra work at the gym. You're feeding yourself garbage. You are feeding, it's, you know, you have to look, the way I see it is your body is like a vehicle. What kind of mm-hmm. fuel are you putting into it? Are you putting in garbage fuel? Because you're going to get garbage results. Now, mm-hmm. you know, when I did a lot of long-distance running, cross-country running, we would do marathons. Now, before that or during, I would eat just straight crap because I would burn it right off. But the thing is, you know, a lot of it boils down to we talk about being malnourished, not actually getting the stuff you need to function properly for your brain to function because it's not just energy expenditure. It's brain functionality. And yeah. it's I, I just I disagree with the idea of if I'm going to have a leg day. You know, when I go in and just slaughter my legs in the gym, I'm going to eat garbage the night before. You know, yeah. I say that jokingly when I do it, but, you know, I'm going to have a cheat meal. But it's kind of like if I want to have a great workout, I have to, you know, regulate my diet accordingly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, the theory with that is that you burn so much uh, muscle glycogen, you want to make sure that your stores are filled up beforehand. So there's this theory of having, you know, cheat days around yeah. leg day. And it's, you know, if you, if, People want to do that, and but the rest of the time they're eating really good, healthy, wholesome foods. Mm-hmm. It's not going to screw them up completely, right. but if the rest of their diet is also pretty rubbish as well, yep. they're going to end up malnourished, and then the training's going to suffer. And if that's something that's important to them, mm-hmm. and they want yep. to, you know, have certain results in the gym, then the diet has has got to be on. They've got to be on top of the diet. Yeah. And so, you know, it's it's a trade off. You've got to think right. Well. I'm either going to get the best results I can possibly get by eating the most optimal diet with my training or I compromise on my diet slightly, which is also going to make a compromise on my results. Mm -hmm. And so you have to decide whether you want to make that trade-off. Is that worth it to you? Is the momentary enjoyment of that food worth the trade-off of the results in the gym? Mm -hmm. So that's just a trade-off people decide to make. You see, people will say, you know, a cheat day versus a cheat meal, and I will, I actually break it up, and I'll do a cheat meal like maybe one to three times a week, because if I have a cheat day, I do not have the self-discipline nor the self-control to stop. I will continue to go, because it basically, Ashley and I talked about this in our first podcast, as far as if I have a a pantry full of bonbons and ho-hos, um, I feel like I bought it, therefore I need to eat it all, and I'll start clean tomorrow. I think people don't understand that when you have a cheat day, depending on the severity of how bad it is, you can undo almost a whole week's worth uh-huh. of training just by one cheat day. So it's just for yeah. me, it's, it's knowing your body, knowing your limitations, and I stick to like a cheat meal. And even then, depending on yeah. what I'm training for, when I cheat, I'll try and cheat clean. So what I mean by that is I'll get like protein uh, or pancake mix, and I'll put in protein powder, and, you know, very light on the sugar or light on the syrup. And I'm still getting something out of it in regards to my macronutrients, but it tastes amazing. Mm. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, again, it's, it's about trade-offs. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I 
I do the same. I make um, protein pancakes, um, and they're, they're fantastic. And I, you know, I could make proper pancakes, and they would also taste equally fantastic. And it's just about your decision and your, and your trade-off. But I think when it comes down to it's, it's like a binge mentality essentially, and that comes down to the the food reward pathways that have been formed in the brain, mm-hmm. and that again is rooted all the way back to childhood. And like you said on on the previous podcast about you know that you were kind of left to. To, to fend for yourself while you while your mum was at work and mm-hmm. you, you know you lived on instant mashed potato and there's there's this you know once these pathways have been formed in childhood it then has a knock-on effect so even someone who once they you know have reached a healthy sort of weight and they're leading a healthy lifestyle you know you open that packet of biscuits the hardest thing is to just have one and not yeah. eat the whole packet yeah. and that is always going to be there and that's why going back to grassroots level of our kids and getting it right from the moment they're this little tiny bundle in, in your tummy, getting it right from that point yeah. is so important so that, you know, when they're a 30-odd-year-old bodybuilder, they're not binging and yep. ruin all their, their gains in the gym. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, someone just asked a question, you know, is it wrong to go buy cooked chicken from the market and eat that three times a day with lettuce? Um, you know, a lot of it is how is this stuff, you know, um, basically uh, made. You know, is it fried chicken as opposed to baked or you know uh, boiled? And you know, I think that, again, a lot of people don't understand the basics of nutrition yeah. one hundred and one. I mean, we have it in in this country where you can buy uh, pre cooked chicken, and the ones that you can get in this country, I don't think I don't know what they are in America, but they're not too bad over here. In fact, I've resorted to it before, where I've been out for the day and I've yeah. not got anything to eat, so I'll call in a supermarket and I'll get some pre cooked chicken and mm-hmm. you know, like a bag of salad, like you say. And I think you know what what's the alternative are you going to go to a fast food and get a takeaway or are you going to get some pre-cooked chicken and some salad i'd say you know the pre-cooked chicken and the salad is is a pretty good choice it's yeah. if it's the best choice that you can make for the situation that you're in and it's going to be sustainable then do it yeah exactly um there's yeah. no point trying to set yourself a goal of the night before you go to work cooking your, all your meals yeah. if you can't do that if you in your lifestyle you can't sustain that if, but if you can sustain buying your chicken and your salad from the supermarket and that's going to be consistent yeah. and do that yeah i agree I, I think a lot of uh and it's it's easy for me to say one thing because you know i'm I, i'm in my situation you know i work a full-time job almost 16 hour days five days a week as opposed to you know somebody else that has to come home and ha- they have children they have other responsibilities but for me, you know, meal preparation has been a godsend. And I never knew about meal preparation until I really got heavy into the fitness world. And for me, it's just, it's, it's made life so much easier. Um, and people say, well, you know, I don't like the taste of my food once I, you know, unfreeze it. Well, there, it does come with certain sacrifices. But I, I haven't noticed, and I've read a few articles because a lot of people say that when you freeze and then unfreeze, it saps a lot of the nutrients. And I've read various things that are saying yes and no. But, I mean, for me, it's just a matter of, um, oh, God, I what, think, what would you I think call whether it? it does or it doesn't, it's, it's insignificant levels. You know, the fact is, if it means that you're going to be consistent by making a meal and freezing it, yeah. then do it. You know, it's getting into these sort of micro details about things that really are unimportant. Yeah. If, you're, if you're overweight or you're struggling with your weight, you don't need to worry about the micro detail of whether I should freeze my food or not or yeah. whether I should buy organic or not. It's very because cosmetic that, in the grand scheme of things. Beyond. Yeah. But, all right. Well, Jennifer, we've been at this for another 45 minutes. I think we're going to have to go ahead and end it here. 
It's uh, oh gosh, has it been that long? Right, it's, it goes by quick, and I <laughs> it's 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 been it's been awesome having you here, and I definitely want to do this oh, again in the future. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's well past my bedtime now, though. Yeah, I am sorry for keeping you up so late, but you know, I'm <laughs> sorry fine. I took so long to do this. You know, we both have busy schedules, but I, I want to do more of this with you, and because I mean, you have a very good um, the articles you write are very informative. I love your your attack on. Um, you know, the fast food industry, the lies they spew. And what I'd like to do is have another podcast with you and go more in-depth on um, the actual fast food market itself because that's where I have a lot of beef with, no pun intended, yeah. as far as yeah. what we're lied to about and what's actually in these things as far as preservatives go um, for this food. But again, yeah, yeah. Um, thank you so much for being here. I I'm sorry for keeping up so late, but I know a lot of oh, people are no, ready to get a lot fine. out of it's your... absolute pleasure. Thank you so awesome. much for having me. So once again, this is Jennifer Bullcock. She writes for, you said, Protein... Protein Lifestyle, Protein. they're a UK supplement company, and, and uh, PT Magazine. And your Facebook page, they can check you out as what? Yeah, it's Jennifer Bullcock, Healthy Lifestyle Motivator and Mum of Three. And I'm also on Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope, and that's at uh, Jembull13. Awesome. Be sure to check out the uh, In the Arena uh, internet page at gruntstyle.com slash John Burke for free motivation, music, articles, and uh, the In the Arena gear. Um, thank you so much for tuning in, and everyone stay in the arena.